Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Growing the Good Life podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Roberts. And today we are talking about one of my favorite topics, and that is selling the extra seedlings that come from your seed starting efforts and selling them for a profit. So I am doing that this year. I started on a smaller scale last year and had just a few pre-orders before my season started, but I have expanded that quite a bit this year. And I want to give you all the details about how it's going, what I'm doing, and give you a little bit of a reason why I'm doing it. But most importantly, I want you to think about how you might want to do this as well and the reasons that you might want to do it. So I have a third of an acre market garden. Um, right now it's smaller than that, but within the next week or so, I expect to expand to a third of an acre. And in doing that, I will be starting a lot of seeds. I've started several. I'm still starting more uh, for the farm stand that I have that's next to that garden. And so on the farm stand, we'll be selling obviously the fruits of our labor uh, from the garden, but we'll also be selling extra transplants. Um, and so that got me thinking that I would really love to create a resource for you that I wish I'd had when I was looking a couple years back for resources on how to start uh, selling seedlings for for profit. And quite honestly, it has never been easier to do that. Uh, we have a lot of things at our disposal, a lot of tools and resources at our disposal that we never had before. And those are really uh, good for us and will uniquely position us to be able to sell things to our neighbors and to our friends at a profit. And you can decide on what level you choose to do that. You can just sell a few extras. You can sell a lot of extras depending on what your goals are for that money. But what I want to talk through you with you today are first some of the reasons that you might choose to sell some of your seedlings or, or to sell extras. Number one, you might have a green thumb. Um, obviously, if you're starting your own seedlings, you're pretty good at it. So that fills a really sizable void in uh, the areas where you have folks who want to grow seedlings but can't grow their own. And they want to get away from buying from corporate entities or buying from big companies. And so you can help the your, your neighbors and friends by selling them the extra seedlings that you've created or that you've grown. Um, if you're already growing plants for yourself, it's kind of a no-brainer. Uh, it's never been easier to get in front of your potential customers. We have tools, uh, the social media tools that we have, especially things like Facebook Marketplace, make it unbelievably easy for you to get in front of a lot of folks who live near you to sell your seedlings to. So you're not only selling them to people that you know, you can be selling them to people that are a couple towns away really easily. So that's those are some really solid reasons that you might want to do it. Um, another reason you might want to sell plants from home is that, yes, the logic of it works, the numbers work out. If you can help yourself by offsetting some of your costs, that's a really great idea. But imagine how it would feel to you to share some of your values with your neighbors. If you're able to provide seedlings to them that have been grown uh, using organic practices or naturally grown practices. If you're able to sell your neighbors or provide your neighbors with food they can grow to feed their families that are, you know, they know where they came from. They know what was put into them. They know how they were grown. That allows you to be a bigger part of your community. It allows you to really show your community and show up for your community in a way that shows what's important to you and that you care for them. And that really is 
even a bigger reason for, for me to do that. Like I really feel strongly that the people in my community would be well served by having seedlings that are grown with very considered sustainable practices. And so I like how that makes me feel. And I like that I'm giving a value to my community. So besides the nuts and bolts of the numbers, there's also those other intangibles that make it such a great rewarding endeavor and thing to do. So those those reasons might speak to you as well. So um, you also have to would have to be living under a rock if you didn't realize that we're having some food shortages in different types of food, different areas. In a lot of cases, it's not very easy to determine where the food shortages will occur next. We've had shortages in basil. We've had shortages in iceberg lettuce. We've had various other shortages, um, and, and those things are just set to continue. In a lot of cases, California and other states that do a lot of our growing are experiencing some extreme weather, and that is slated to continue. That is part of the longer range forecast for this year. And so if you can take back part of that control to make sure that you're able to grow the things that you want to eat, that is going to give you a sizable improvement in your mental health. Just the feeling of control that you might have when you take control of your food supply gives you that peace of mind that'll make it easier for you to sleep at night. I know I do. That helps me a lot. Um, besides the fact that gardening is great mental health, it's good for your body, it's good exercise, it's great just to get a lot of, I get several hours of fresh air and vitamin D every day just from the garden. So uh, you don't have to have a market garden to get those benefits. So um, I don't want to get negative, but I do also want to talk about foodborne illnesses. They are happening. It feels like they're happening more and more often than they have in the past. Maybe they aren't, and that's just my perception. But I know that the FDA and the USDA, the USDA specifically, I think both of those organizations are somewhat responsible for um, managing foodborne illnesses and outbreaks and communicating and getting those under control. And those organizations are extremely backlogged. And so there will be cases where there will be a foodborne illness in sprouts and they will tell you about it. They will tell you in February that it had happened in December and they'll tell you to throw the food away that has already been out of your house for weeks. And so it's kind of like, it, it's pretty pointless at this point not to disparage other people trying to do their jobs, but it, it becomes really obvious to me that if I want food that I can control and, and if, I, if I have food that doesn't have the risk that's inherent in these other types of sprouts or whatever it might be, that it's going to be up to me to control that. So I do, and it feels good. So these are some, some things that I want to help you think through when you're determining how you want to grow and what you want to grow. So um, you, you, there are a couple ways you want to decide how to grow or, or how, what plants you should grow to sell. Um, you, you want to grow what you're already growing. That's a really good indicator of what to grow. There are a few reasons for that. One of them is that if you're growing it, you're probably good at growing it. And so the better you are at growing something, the more yields you'll have, the better your numbers will look, and the higher the profit that you'll make off of them. So if you're good at growing it, you're going to make more money off of it. If, you're, if you turn a profit, 
it's good to turn a profit. We want our businesses to be sustainable in our endeavors. So I want you to make a profit. So be good at what you grow. And that's one way to ensure that. Um, also, if you're growing these plants and you've grown them for a few years, then you know they grow well in your climate. And that's really super important. I think that's one of the points about growing that people miss is that just because a seed exists doesn't mean it, it absolutely automatically grows well where you live. And so a lot of what I do in the years I've been growing in North Carolina is I've chosen varieties that do well for me here. And so I've grown 40 different tomato varieties. No lie. <laughs> I've grown 40 different tomato varieties and there are some I would never grow again. And there are some that I grow every year and it takes time to figure that out. And you are doing your yourself and your community a service whenever you, you go through that exercise and you determine what works well in your climate. And then when you, if you're able to save those seeds and grow them again next year, you're just continuing to select for varieties that do well where you live, which is, which is just better for everyone. So let's see, we talked a little bit about how to determine what to grow. Oh, another good one that I do is I offer plants that are assumed to be difficult to start from seed. So uh, certain plants either are assumed to be difficult or they are difficult to grow from seed. Um, certain things like asparagus, I have a lot of folks who pre-ordered my asparagus seedlings because asparagus seedlings are difficult to grow. They take a long time, they have to be babysat, they're pretty vigorous once they get going, but they're not the easiest to get started. And so therefore, because I'm already growing, it makes a lot of sense to me or for me to add some to my collection and grow them for my neighbors so that they can get the benefit of it without having to do all the babysitting. Uh, things like artichokes and other flowers, like lisianthus comes to mind. <laughs> lisianthus is not the easiest plant to grow, flower to grow either. So if you're growing them, throw some extra lisianthus in your, in your tray and I'm telling you, you'll be able to sell those because they're really difficult to grow. Um, so how now that you, you've got your idea of what you want to sell or what you want to grow for profit, what are the things that you need to consider? Um, you're going to consider you might want to do some pre-sales. That is when you say, um, here are the plants I'm planning to grow. Which of these would you like to buy from me? And you give people an opportunity to buy ahead of time. Um, that works really well for those varieties that you might not have a ton of. Like let's say you have a limited stock of asparagus seeds. You might want to open that up for pre-sale and just say, hey guys, let's go ahead and if you want these, if you're interested, go ahead and buy them because I'm going to run out. And that's a great way to get some interest. Pre-selling is great because you're going to get some cash into your system before you start those plants. And that's always good for your cash flow when you're, because you need to buy soil, you have to buy pots, you have to buy seeds. So it's nice to have a little bit of cash up front. So think about pre-selling. Um, so another pro tip that I would like to include here for you is that uh, you want to include fast growing plants. If you can, you want to make sure you've got some of those in your lineup so that you they grow quickly, your customers are going to see a, a fast return on their investment, so they're going to be happy. Um, and then you can sell those fast-growing seedlings for several months out of the year because you might want, 
you know, if, if you have fast growing seedlings, then you can uh, make sure those are available to your customers for several, several months. And during the times when the big box retailers are not stocking those is a really great time for you to be stocking them. Um, so that's the kind of thing you want to think about. Think about including some fast growing plants and including them at times of the year when other places don't have them. So you need to think about, uh, how, <coughs> excuse me, how many plants you're going to sell. Um, uh, you can figure that out by thinking about a couple of things or about three different things you want to think about when you're thinking about how many plants, extra plants you want to sell. So number one, if you're growing under grow lights, you need to think about how much room you have under your grow lights. That is the most expensive and most valuable space you have in this process. And so you want to make sure that you, uh, you grow small in small trays or like you grow in small cells and then you pot those up later uh, because you need to grow as much as possible under those grow lights. And so that's the most important space you have. If you've got a lot of room under grow lights, then you're going to be able to start a lot of seedlings. So just think about that. How much money you want to spend up front is also going to be an indicator of how many extra seedlings you can sell. So if you don't have a ton of extra money up front, then think about pre-selling some of them. If you're not going to pre-sell, you don't have a lot of money up front, then you, you want to start small. Um, it, if you're starting 50 tomato plants, go ahead and add an extra 20. There's not a whole lot of difference for you in your life uh, when it comes to growing 50 versus 70. But if you've got 20 plants and then you sell each of those for $3, that's a $60 revenue that's come into your, into your pocket. Then once you take your expenses out, that's an easy, kind of straightforward, no brain sort of way, or no nonsense sort of way, not no brains. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Um, that's a really no nonsense kind of way to sort of get started on, on a small scale. So <clears throat> now, another very important thing I want you to think about are your expenses. And I want you to know what your expenses are up front. So I, in, in online business, we think about profit, the kind of profit or the amount of revenue that you want to drive when you start an online ad. And the number, the rule of thumb that we use is 3x. So whatever you, it costs you to run an ad or whatever, whatever a dollar amount it costs you to sell something, you want to make three times that to break even. To me, that's considered breaking even. So I use that as a rule of thumb. I use that guideline when I'm pricing my seedlings. Now I know pricing seedlings and online ads are two different things, but for me, it helps me to make sure I'm always making a profit and that I'm not selling my seedlings for too short, too small of an amount of money or because I want to make my profit and maximize the profit as much as possible. So I use that three times rule. So let's look at this in action. So for a typical tomato seedling, um, I will spend anywhere between five cents and 25 cents on the actual seed. So I try to sell varieties obviously with with seeds that are the most cost effective for me so if i need to buy in a higher quantity to get a smaller per seed price then i'll do that some of the specialty varieties are quite expensive but usually it's around five cents per seed so my seeds five cents the seed starting mix 
in a in a pot in a, in a four inch pot is about 30 cents worth the fertilizer is about five cents worth and the pot can be anywhere from 20 cents and so i've gotten some pots as cheap as 10 cents and so that dollar amount is right around 50 cents i have a 50 cents invested in each seedling so if i take 50 cents and i multiply that by three that means i am not like to sell a seedling for a dollar fifty means that i'm breaking even the reason i use that as my number is because there are a lot of business expenses that you don't necessarily capture when you're just thinking about the cost that you paid to buy the raw materials. And we have to make sure that we are sustainable. To have a sustainable business, you have to turn a profit to stay in business. And so let's not short sell ourselves when it comes to selling these seedlings. There is a valuable, there are, there's a value to your neighbors and your friends in buying these from you. There is a, an intrinsic value that you're part of something greater than yourself. You're doing these things to make sure your neighbors have nutritious food. There's a value to them because they are getting seedlings that they can't find at other places. So there's a value to that that they will pay for. And so you deserve to have that money. You are providing a service. So um, for a seedling like a four inch seedling, all of my four inch, seedlings are priced at three dollars i'm not making just hand over fist in profit but it's enough that it's worth my time because again we have to be sustainable and we need to be able to stay in business so three dollars four dollars could i spend could i price them at a higher price probably um, maybe not everyone would buy them but enough would buy them but i'm not interested in doing that i want as many people to have access to them as possible so i try i think about that and I make sure my costs are as low as they can be so that folks can afford what I'm selling. So keep that in mind. That's all I want you to do. Do you take a look at what your numbers need to be based on where you live, what folks will pay for seedlings, and then you make the numbers work for you. But I'm giving you an idea of what how I work through it. Um, let's see. So what supplies will you... Okay. Oh, wait. Let me back up. Before we talk about the supplies you'll need, you need to plan your sales date. So plan when you're gonna start selling. You're gonna want to know when your last frost date is in the spring and when your first frost date is in the fall. So that will determine when you start your seed selling or when you start your seeds and when you plan your sales date. I typically will plan my sales window. I don't sell on a certain day. I open the window for several weeks and I start that after my first my last frost date in the spring because I just, I, I harden those plants off for people. I make sure that they're ready to go when they buy them. And so as a result, I don't want to sell them too soon because if I sell them a plant, I want them to know they can immediately put it in the ground. And I'm afraid if I sell it too early, they may not know. They might put it out. It gets frozen. That's obviously not good for anybody. So I, for, I uh, plan that, um, most people want to plant things about one to two weeks after their frost date. So you decide when you want to want, when you want to grow. Um, and just kind of when you first get started, concentrate on selling in one period. Um, once you have a couple seasons under your belt, then you might decide that you want to sell um, across different, like you might want to sell throughout all the summer. But I would wait on that. I would just sell your big spring rush once, see if you like it, see how it did and then make some other plans like down the road. So let's get into, um, let's see, let's get into your supplies. You're gonna want to, if you're gonna start under grow lights, obviously you're gonna need some grow lights. 
You can use shop lights that have like a 5,500 degree Kelvin light uh, uh, color temperature. Those are really, really uh, inexpensive. They're very affordable. They work very well for starting seeds. They're not full spectrum, but because you're just starting seedlings, you don't need full spectrum. But so you, you need, you need grow lights. You need a rack for those grow lights to be on. You also need six pack containers. Certain things grow better in six packs. Um, certain <coughs> like lettuces or cabbages, Brussels sprouts, those kinds of things are, are well suited to six packs. Um, you also will need 1020 bottom trays and 72 cell top trays. These are just like the big, the big larger versions of these guys. This is, this is a six pack. But the 72 cell trays are the ones you might want to start your tomatoes, eggplant, artichoke, peppers, and then you'll pop them up into a larger four inch cup. And so those are basically the two versions that I think you'll need. You could go crazy with this and buy more, but you don't have to do that. If you start with 72 cell tray, which simply means that in a single tray, there are 72 cells. Um, that's a nice medium size. Though they make trays that have a ton more that are really, really tiny cells. And then they make trays that are super, like much bigger. But 72 is right in the middle and they work great for most things you'll start. Start them off there. Then you're going to pot them up in larger pots. And those larger pots are the ones you're going to sell to your customer. So that's what you need. You basically, you don't need a ton more than that. You're going to need soil. So I use ProMix. It, that the numbers of ProMix work so that it's about a quarter per cup or quarter, uh, there's a quarter's worth, there's 25 cents worth of potting soil in every four inch pot. So that's how I get those numbers. I use those organic uh, growing potting mixes because they make me feel good. They work well. There's a lot that I don't have to think about when I use those. And so that's what I do. And that's why. So your seeds, I, I go to high mowing seeds, botanical interests, Haas tools, Johnny's selected seeds, all those places have territorial seed. They all have a great supply of seeds. So you've got your seeds, you've got your soil. If you choose to put um, any type of fertilizer in the, in the um, seedling, it's a good idea to do that because in a lot of cases, those seedlings will be in those pots for several weeks. So when you pot it up, you can put just a smidge of that really nice organic all-purpose fertilizer. It costs about five cents, but it's a really good investment for your, for your customer. They're going to get a really good result. So I want to quickly head over to the marketing section of this conversation that um, you'll want to think about. So I've told you why you want to do might I've told you why you might want to do this. Obviously, it's your choice to make. I've given you the, the economics of it and how you can make these numbers work. I've given you uh, a list of the supplies that you'll need to pull this off. And so finally, where are you going to market this plant sale so you can succeed with it? Um, you can use four different avenues. You can use existing farmers markets, local pop-ups and festivals. You can have a roadside stand yourself, or you can sell on Facebook Marketplace. And so I am planning to do those last two, and I'm going to let you know how that goes this year. We are doing a roadside stand at the Market Garden, and we're also going to sell heavily using Facebook Marketplace. So you can sell via one avenue. You can choose all four. Just find out what works best for you. Some of the advantages of, of selling at an existing farmer's market is that you have a built-in client base. There will be folks walking past your seedlings. If your seedlings look good, they're priced right with the right variety, you are going to make some sales. 
So you want to make sure you've got a good selection. If you're going to a farmer's market, you want to make sure that they look good, that you've got clear marketing, that you have a lot of really specific descriptions, lots of nice um, handouts would be really good for folks. You want to have a business card if you can. So obviously a farmer's market is going to require a little bit more marketing up front, but usually it's worth it. So just make sure you know what kind of any, if you need any licenses to display there, if you can come for like a, just a couple of, of weeks, or if you have to sign up and commit to the whole season, just know what you're getting into. But farmer's markets can be a really good, op, a good avenue, good option. The next is the pop-up in the festival. Um, if your community and neighborhood have different spring festivals and pop-ups and that kind of thing, or a community, you know, community events that you can buy a table at. Look into that because that's a really good way of having a built-in audience that can walk past your table and buy up a lot of your stuff. Now, the third is a roadside stand. Obviously, that's part of a larger marketing initiative for you. Um, unless you have a buddy who has a roadside stand and is just going to let you put your stuff on it, chances are you're going to have to make your own roadside stand. So think about the... Uh, what would be required for that to make sense for you. For me, it makes sense because our stand is going to be right by our, right at the end of our road. It's at a dead end road right by our garden. So it makes perfect sense for us. Think about what makes sense for you, but don't discount the roadside stand. And then finally, Facebook Marketplace. Facebook Marketplace is one where you can really get lucky with a lot of your, your seedling sale. And to be honest, it's, it's free. Um, beyond what you spend on your internet or your phone or whatever it is you're accessing Facebook with. So you can put an ad up on Facebook for free. You can advertise your plants, what you have in stock, the price of it, how you want to take money, where, how you want to arrange for pickup. All of that is up to you and you control all that. So that is absolutely the way I would recommend. If you're just getting started, use Facebook Marketplace only and then expand from that because it's just going to be the best use of your time, best bang for your buck, best all around. I am always, I'm definitely going to be using Facebook Marketplace to move seedlings as well. We will put them on the roadside stand. I'll reach out to my current network first, but if they don't buy them all, you better believe I'm going to have those on Facebook Marketplace. And for tomatoes and peppers, specifically tomatoes, you can, you can list tomatoes for several weeks because if you have them in a big enough pot, and you pot them up, you can just keep the tomato that you haven't sold yet. And as it gets bigger and bigger, you just, you can charge more for it until you eventually sell it. So that's something to think in, uh, about and to keep in mind. So let's wrap it up about this <coughs> on this topic of selling seeds, seedlings. I think it's a fabulous way to offset some of your costs and to build relationships in your community and to just, just do something super fun. So, um, you might want to create a catchy name and logo for your business. That will make your name more memorable. People will remember you. It's a really good idea if you think you might want to do this more in the coming years to go ahead and establish yourself. Um, and so in the end, it's really up to you to decide if it's something that you want to do. But it's definitely been worth it for me the last couple of years that I've done it. And I, I'm expanding what we're doing, selling more seedlings, I'm selling a greater variety of them, and I'm really excited to do it. So if you would like to do it, know that you can, take it one step at a time, 
Comment below if you have any questions about the process and I will absolutely commit to getting back to you and helping you answer your question any way that I can. So I want to say bye for now. I want you all to get out there and get growing and I will see you next time.